0: Hi, everybody. I'm Ralph Benmerge, and I host Yechopitzville for the CJN. I hope you can listen. We talk to Jews in Moose Jaw, Moncton, Jasper, Kelowna, Hackley, Quebec. All over
1: this country, there are Canadian Jews who are living a Jewish life in their own way. So join me for Yechopitzville at thecjn.ca or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Everybody, welcome back to the mentorers, your bi-weekly look at the world of juice and sports. Gabe, how are you doing? I'm very good, James. How about yourself? I'm good. Uh, you know, getting ready for the summer of 2021, two-dose summer. Uh, congratulations to you as well for getting your second second vaccine. That's true. Both of
0: us are fully uploaded to the 5G network.
2: Yeah, that's right.
0: If only I could find a way to get my infant son to do the same. <laughs> Let me tell you, the little boy, little boy's having trouble going to sleep. But, uh, uh, you know, he'll be awake and, and he'll be happy and, and he'll start sleeping soon, I'm sure.
2: Have you ever tried just talking to him? Because I find that usually puts me to sleep.
0: No, well, playing, you know, playing this podcast can really uh, can really knock him right out.
2: Um, the Olympics are coming up and that's something we're going to talk about a lot today. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, there was a big hiring in college basketball. Uh, Mike Shashevsky, sort of legendary coach at Duke University. Not Jewish. Not Jewish. Uh, incredibly difficult name to spell. And, and, uh, and kind
0: of, you know, looks like a bit of a, a cartoon that, you know, certain European countries would have publicized.
2: Let's just, let's just, let's just say it like it is. He's got a giant schnoz, <laughs> uh, giant, giant schnoz. Um anyways, Mike Shashevsky stepping down and uh, former Duke player, Israeli, American basketball player, John Shire is taking over. So
0: I went to university. We both went to university with a couple of dudes who went to high school with John Shire. Oh, cool. Um. And the story on John Shire, he was in high school, the leader of a all Jewish basketball team called the high five. That's nice. I like that. So the leader of the high
2: five is now the coach of Duke. Right. Um, yeah. You know, John grew up in, uh, I think outside Chicago, right? Like he's an yep. Illinois guy and, uh, you know, tried to have a, tried to have a career in the, in playing professional basketball, you know, and didn't quite make the NBA um, played a few years, I think with Maccabi Tel Aviv. Uh, and, and was, you know, not bad there, but, you know, hung it up eventually. He's a young guy. He's, I think he's 34 35. Um, so, you know, he'll be coaching for a long time. Absolutely.
0: I mean, he might be for the next 25 years and, and, you know, but he's Jewish. I know Bruce Pearl, who is very proudly Jewish, um, in terms of, you know, NCAA D1 coaches, the two of them are, are probably the most famous right away.
2: Yeah. And uh, so next program. month is going to be the start of the Olympics, and that's something we're really excited about. A lot of stories that we're going to be covering. The 2020 year. Olympics in 2021. That's right, including an interview that we have coming up later. Um, so some Olympic news uh, today. Gabe, you you, you noticed something uh, in terms of the US, the U.S. women's basketball team, someone who was named to that team. That's right. The,
0: the greatest of all time, the kosher goat herself. Um, the goat that, you know, is worth man- much, much more than two Zuzim uh sue bird was named to i think her fifth u.s olympic team
2: wow that's um, where she
0: will be the captain and sort of the i think my understanding is she must be a very you know she must be seen as as somewhat of a player coach she did you know recently win i think her fifth wnba championship um Mm -hmm. but you know she's got the great you know, the great career and the great experience that, that she's going to win another medal almost certainly for, for herself, for the Jews and for team USA. Uh, yeah, so She
2: she is a four time, uh, gold medal, gold medal winners. So this will be her fifth. And, uh, you know, she's 40 years old. I, I have to imagine this, this is her last Olympics, but you know, amazing to see her do it. Not many. I, I think it's a very small list of people who have even made it to five Olympics, especially medal, in a team sport. Yeah, to medal in five Olympics, I, I would imagine that's just one or two people, or, or a very small amount of people, if if any. So, uh, you know, good luck Phelps there. did it. I did think. Phelps? Do no, it? he's
0: four. He got four. four.
2: But no, it's, it's really impressive. I think there might have been some shooters who are like you know ageless a- ageless <laughs> in, in their skills. So that's yeah. great. Um, on the flip side, we have some bad news about Nate Ebner, the uh, you know former New England Patriots uh, USA rugby sevens mainstay
0: um and okay. recent New York Giants
2: signee. Oh wow. But uh unfortunately he he's decided that he's he has to pull out of contention for the US Olympic rugby team due to an injury. Um he was on the uh the US Olympic rugby 7 team at the 2016 Olympics. Uh he was. Um I do not believe they medaled. They did. Um, they they're not very good. I I think nope. rug, so rugby 7s as I understand it, is sort of like a scaled down version of rugby. I'm not sure exactly why they play that instead of regular rugby.
0: My guess is for, for sort of television, um, you know, enjoyment that it's a lot faster and, and, you know, it's only 20 minutes long and they okay. can, you know, translate it to audiences a lot better. Um, but, you know, there's a bunch of converted football, NFL and college football players on that team. Nate Ebner was obviously the, the one we follow the closest as he's Jewish. Um, but, you know, he needs to get better to get ready for the next NFL season as he's trying to keep playing. Um, in a sport that actually pays, to be honest right. with you. Um, so, I, you know, who can blame them? It's sad for, you know, the the list of Jews, but we'll still, I mean, you know, Nate Ebner's loss, I suppose, is Sue Bird's gain And the strictly from the purposes of this podcast. But uh, we've got coming up a, a Canadian Jewish uh, Olympian. Um, Eli Schenkel, who we have an interview with uh, coming a little bit. He's on the fencing team, uh, a native born Angelino and uh, half Mexican, half Jewish athlete who or half Mexican, full Jewish athlete, I should say, um, who was a really great chat. So stick around for that. But first, got to talk about probably the biggest sporting event that's going on in the world right now. Uh, It's not happening on our shores, uh, but, you know, we've got 32 teams. No, no, there's F. So it's F. F is the sixth letter of the alphabet with four teams, 20 teams. Uh, we got 20 teams uh, all <laughs> over Europe. Uh, you know, also in a 2020 event in
2: 2021, the Euro was on. I believe it's 24 teams. But uh, <laughs> yes, the Euro Cup is on. Um, as far as we could tell, there aren't any Jewish players uh, competing in the Euro. We might be wrong. Like, you know, our, our, our sort of uh, phrenological uh, study of, <laughs> of who's a Jew and who's not a Jew sometimes comes up short so if anyone is aware of any jewish players playing in the euro cup or now we're ha- we're happy to to know about those um but given that we still wanted to touch on it and talk about something else now uh gabe you're aware that uh let me how do i put this delicately there are certain countries with a history of organized anti-semitism would you agree i think organized is probably a light way of putting it yeah there are countries that uh either the, the, the country <laughs> itself or it's Progenitor in one way or another, you know, participated in the uh, murder of six million Jews. Right, the the organized extermination of Jews. And I think that you've you've probably observed in the Jewish community among at least certain Jews a uh, preference to not do business or have anything to do with those countries. I, I'm talking here, for example, of you know certain Jews who who would never drive a BMW. You know, would never right. drive a would never drive a Mercedes Benz. Um, there's plenty of Jews who will. Um, but But, there's some who it it would never, it would never occur. They would never do it. I think it would behoove most Jewish people in any,
0: you know, traditional sporting event. Uh, you know, I guess, uh, Tony Cruz be damned to just not root for Germany. It's the least we can do as Jewish people to not root for Germany, but that got us wondering where do the countries in the Euro rank? You know, who should you root for as a Jew?
2: Right. And so, you know, let's talk. Let's flip this a little bit from the negative to the positive. Yeah. Well, Germany's out. Let's just yeah, forget Germany, Germany Austria, Ukraine. You know, no, they're, they're not going to have a lot of you know random Jewish support. You think um, Ukraine is
0: game? Uh, Ukraine I, is just I, game to you.
2: Yeah, I think I think Ukraine uh, participated in a huge amount of anti-Semitism. And, but and but the they currently have a Jewish prime murder minister. Murder. They do. That's so true. that
0: that brings us forth a little bit. I think that's a few points back in the other direction.
2: I guess so. Well, uh, I guess the first set of countries I'm going to say in terms of the Euro, uh, I'm going to talk about in terms of a positive story on for Jews is uh, great Britain and the British countries. Now Scotland was eliminated. I think earlier today when they lost uh, to the Czech Republic or or, sorry, not to the Czech Republic to to Croatia. It's not Um, coming home. It's not coming home to Scotland, but there's two other members of the United Kingdom, England and Wales uh, that continue to be part of the Euro cup. Um, and so I,
0: I can you, root for Wales. They got a dragon on their flag. We know we've got some Welsh listenership and some Welsh guests that have been on this show. So I'm I'm rooting for Wales.
2: Yeah, and specifically the thing to, to highlight here is the uh, you know kinder transport that brought you know over ten thousand uh, young Jewish children from Germany, Czechoslovakia, Austria, and Poland uh, in the sort of at the beginning or, or slightly before World War II started. Mm -hmm. um you know more than ten thousand kids who who came to britain some of whom i i I can only assume a few of them ended up in wales yes um, i think who were eventually naturalized as citizens and you know this sort of uh, sort of an amazing group of people uh dr ruth i know is was one of them uh many other notable Sounds like a
0: very horny boat
2: yeah Uh, uh something we could also say
0: wales just you think about the group they're in they're in a group with italy switzerland and turkey I think we're 0 for 3 on that one. Mm. Like, I but, think if you have to pick a winner of the group,
2: Italy, Switzerland, and Turkey are all knows. Right. But Wales, I think, is, you know, not at least it was part of that. At least we can give them that. Uh, Gabe, here's a little factoid about the Kinder Transport. Do you know what beloved uh, children's book the Kinder Transport inspired? Um, I'm going to guess Goodnight Moon. It is not good night, Moon. The answer is Paddington, bear. Paddington uh, bear, a bear who's you know found found at and named after Paddington Station. Uh, the writer was inspired by seeing children arrive on the Kindertransport.
0: You know, I'm pretty sure Paddington the movie or Paddington the movie two has like a pretty serious Holocaust side. Story. Oh, absolutely.
2: I, I, I've only seen the first one, but it's like, it, it, especially if you know that backstory, it's like very explicitly about about. The Holocaust, or at least. Yes. Okay. Moving, so uh, it know, is Paddington from... one. Paddington and, two, I think um, Hugh Grant just wants a toy bear. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's Paddington two, that Hugh Grant wants the toy bear. That's what I mean. And Paddington two, Paddington one is about the Holocaust. Right. Um, and also in that movie, uh, he's not played by a Jew, but uh, Jim Broadbent plays a plays a, an older man who is a member of the Kinder Transport that's that's the, that's
0: the story I'm yeah. thinking of. yes, exactly. so what who else do we have in group in Group B? We've got Belgium, Denmark, Finland, and Russia. I know we've got some Scandinavian friendliness and Russia, I think you know at the time historically they have not been big fans of the Jews. yeah, certainly uh, a lot of
2: you know uh, centuries of anti-Semitism. Uh, in Russia both you know before and after and during the communist regime uh, but Denmark I think is the team to, to highlight because uh, you know Denmark had, there's the famous I think apocryphal story of uh, King Christian uh, wearing the the yellow star on his sleeve which I, I don't think is true but there was a really determined effort to save the Jews of Denmark um, and, and that should go along with I think with Sweden who's also in the tournament um, that you know there weren't a, there weren't a huge number of Jews in, in, in Denmark at the time, but I think of, of the around 8,000 Jews, basically every one of them was saved by be, being, you know, surreptitiously deposited in Sweden. Absolutely. And, uh, I think, you know,
0: there is no, I don't know if there's a Raoul Wallenberg, uh, uh, you know, sort of a te- contemporary Raoul Wallenberg in a soccer context, but I think Jews can
2: comfortably cheer for Sweden because of that. Yeah, so I think uh, Denmark and and Sweden, if if you want to pick a you know good to the Jews uh, teams, at least in their time, you know at a time of need, uh, I think yeah. those are the ones. I mean, I think uh, unfortunately, I think that's about it for the Euro for the Euro so, Cup in terms of in terms of rooting interest. I guess I will Portugal and Spain thing. a little bit.
0: I would say, yeah, I'd say Portugal and Spain, because of all the countries in the Euro, they've probably gone the longest since an organized expulsion of the Jews. We're talking about 620 years here since 630 years, I guess, since uh, since Jews were, you know, forced out of Spain and Portugal. Uh, So we've got a while to go. I think that's, you know, pretty much longer than I would say every single other country on that list that was in the Euro. Yeah, maybe not
2: the UK. You know, I think about, I think we like, we lose the institutional memory of some of these things because of how much time passes, but like, you know, the Inquisition and like the, the, the expulsion of the Jews from the Iberian Peninsula was like a catastrophic event for the Jewish world, Absolutely, uh, certainly for the people who live there, but just like going from being, you know, a center of Jewish thought to essentially a, a, a further diaspora by by the expulsion of the Jews. I I, I think for that reason, e- even though there were some, you know, instances of Jews who were saved in, in World War II by fleeing to Spain and Portugal, who, you know, accepted refugees to a certain degree. And obviously that's, that's a great thing that, that did happen for those people. I, th- I think the, the, uh, inquisition, inquisition and the expulsion of the Jews sort of removes them as a, as a specifically as a Jewish rooting interest.
0: Yes. It was just a long time ago. And, you know, I personally have a soft spot for Maimonides. I think we've previously named him in an earlier episode, the greatest doctor of all time. Um, <laughs> he was Spanish. Uh, And from Spain. So they do have Maimonides going for them, uh, even if they might have no Jewish players and did have a forced, you know, violent expulsion of the Jews.
2: So there you have it Um, going forward into the into the knockout stages uh, that are coming up. Uh, England, Wales, Sweden and Denmark. That's about it. I mean, I I guess like (laughs) Netherlands and Belgium are sort of neutral. In that you know they didn't actively necessarily participate in the Holocaust per se they were invaded by Germany and, and victimized in all kinds of ways yeah um, but also didn't have the sort of uh, coordinated effort to save their Jews and and of course most of the Jews in the Netherlands and, and Belgium were murdered in the Holocaust this is uh, true well it's a little dark um, <laughs> unfortunately uh, let's lighten it up with our with our interview with 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 Eli Schenkel uh, Eli is a really interesting guest uh, you know he's going to the for his first Olympics on the uh, foil team for Team Canada, I think it's uh, the fencing team, and his specialty is the foil. Oh, sorry. Okay, he he his specialty is the foil, which is one of the sword, um, the sword uh, disciplines. I guess one of yeah, types the types of swords. The, the sword plays. Gabe, I'm not sure if it made it into if it made it into the interview or not, but he he mentioned uh, a movie about fencing that uh briefly touched on the movies it's called sunshine it's a 1999 film and it's actually a, a canadian uh, produced film by uh uh robert lantos who's sort of like a jewish canadian producer oh. maven he, who, he's produced a lot of like jewish uh like a lot of jewish content you know he did um barney's version and uh joshua then and now and sort of gideon oh. which is that first sort of gideon's like the the movie of munich but it was a ctv um like made for television movie from the 80s it's pretty bad Oh, why I watched it for some reason.
0: Still, I'm you know the movie. This movie uh, that Eli mentioned stars two of the greatest British Jews, Miriam Margulies and Rachel Weisz. Yeah,
2: very young uh, Rachel, so- Rachel Weisz. And Gabe, uh, as as you prefer, uh, it does include many shots of Ray Fines, like dramatically removing his fencing helmet.
0: Oh, that's fantastic!
2: Love <laughs> that. Yo, we're, you know, uh, that's a topic we touch on at the interview, as well
0: as what the Olympics planning on being like. Uh, you know what. Eli is most looking forward to, and we even get into the Montreal bagel debate. That's very so right. right. Please enjoy our chat with Eli Schenkel. Hello, everyone it's laura lebo here inviting you to check out my podcast a few of my favorite jews every two weeks i invite an artist from the city of toronto to come on and tell me who their favorite jew is we talk about that jew's life their connection to judaism my guest connection to judaism and we just laugh (laughs) so if you love jews and you love listening to exactly two people talk about them for about an hour you're gonna love my podcast a few of my favorite jews
2: We're very glad to be joined today by Eli Schenkel. Uh, hi, Eli. How's it going?
1: Hi, it's going great. Yourself?
2: Uh, Eli, can you tell us, uh, our listeners, a little bit about yourself and, and why, why are you on our podcast today?
1: Uh, I am uh, on the Canadian national fencing team. And for the first time, I believe in about 30 something years, uh, we've qualified an Olympic foil team. Yeah, I'm the, one of the, actually one of two Jewish Olympians
0: this, uh, on the fencing team. This. Oh wow. I thought you meant the whole country, but uh, I know, mean, I wasn't surprised. But cool. Just before we get into your background, how does a fencing team qualify for the Olympics? Uh, okay, that's a interesting question. So it's it's
1: not like in I think a lot of other sports where you just kind of need to make just kind of like oh yay like we we have a team let's send someone. It's mm-hmm. uh, th- there's there's a, a an entire season like the entire like penultimate season right before the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're basically trying to place as a team in in certain rankings, our qualification is kind of weird because, um, the U S right now is actually one of, is like the best fencing team in the world, uh, in, okay. in our weapon. So that actually kind of like bumped down our qualification selection so that we were able to become the number one Pan American team after I them, see. um, since they were already in the top four seated in the world, they kind of auto-qualified. So it kind of opened up another one for the Pan American zone. So in that sense, we we lucked out, but it's honestly pretty sweet.
2: <laughs> and, and how many members does the fencing team consist of?
1: So it consists of four members, uh three starters and an alternate.
2: And and you take turns sort of or playing all yeah. the or fighting all the other uh members of the other teams. Is fighting the right word? Uh I dueling? Mean,
1: you, you could say like bouting, dueling, yeah. Bouting, yeah. I like. Yeah.
2: Um, I mean, it
1: would be sweet if we all just fenced at once, but no. we, we, you do a a 45 point relay. So like the first match is to five points. Then the second one continues to 10, et cetera, et cetera.
0: And does the winner stay on or is it like, does it keep
1: going? No, no. It it alternates every, uh, there's a three minute periods. So Mm -hmm. after, so if someone, let's say the first match goes to five points, if someone scores, let's say like five, three, okay. Then the people unplug the next two team members plug in. Um, and then that match continues to 10 points. Um, so you can still have like upsets. You could still have someone have like a, a crazy match and get
0: like 10 points or 15 points within the the three minute period. And you use the word, the phrase plug in which actually fits with one of my questions really well. Modern fencing uniforms to me are a little frightening. Um, they okay. tend to have a scary mask and a lot of lights and noises that go off whenever anybody gets touched. Um, How, how do those work? Like, is that, is intimidation part of the game? Uh, not quite, but people do
1: tend to yell quite a bit. Like the, I guess something to note about fencing is that it it is a sword fight. Um, so there is like a lot of tension that builds up as you're, as you're sparring with another person. And then that, that's often, that tension is often released as like a loud yell or
0: roar or whatever it, it may be. I've noticed a lot of fencers like to tear off their mask and dramatically yell. Um, (laughs) Our listeners can't quite see this right now. But for some context, Eli has a pretty spectacular head of hair, um, as well as some really good, for lack of a better word, salad coming down the back, Um, you know, and sort of like, does does your hair come out the back of your helmet? Right now, it does. That is so fucking cool. (laughs) I'm- <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Honestly. Like,
1: like if I go like Eli classic, it's actually just kind of like a full-on Jufro that I've had, uh-huh. like, oh my. Uh, honestly, I've been going like trying to go kind of Samson mode and just, I haven't, I haven't cut it since. I don't know. I think like very early in COVID because the, oh, uh, yeah. the year, so when, when, when COVID started, it was, it was declared a pandemic as we were at our final qualification tournament.
2: Okay. Um, and where
1: were you in the world? This was in Anaheim in, in okay. California. So I was actually kind of like back home visiting parents, um, and then it was declared a pandemic. And uh, basically, the whole year prior, I had told myself like I, I wouldn't cut my hair because it had always been like kind of like a silly dream of mine um, mm. as a kid to to be like a, just a fencer with a fro at the Olympics. I just thought that's that'd amazing, kind of funny. Uh, that's great. Because I just don't think people generally think of fencers as having those types of hairstyles um especially not like a roaring jufro right so, yeah that's so good you I got said, it
2: you got ahead of the curve on on all of us at least in ontario not being able to get our hair cut for the last four months or so
1: <laughs> oh yeah that's it's just all part of the plan i anticipated the pandemic
0: so you know we've gone back last year uh let's talk a little bit about your upbringing how you got into fencing you know your judaism maybe a little bit if that's okay so you're Eli Schenkel, who are you? Where are you from? What's well, your
1: story? Okay, so Eli Shankel, A.K.A. at least as back on the previous team before this Olympic one, I was uh, Chief Juif, um, mm-hmm. as like Chief the Juif. Montrealers would call me. Yeah. Um, wow, I, Chief Juif is good. Yeah, born, yeah, yeah, born and raised in LA, actually. But okay. um, my my dad is is from Toronto, so I had dual citizenship for like most of my life. Um, when I was in university, my Canadian passport expired and I was like, Hey, I might as well fence for the motherland. Um, Mm -hmm. so I joined team Canada and made the national team pretty, like pretty quickly and have been fencing, fencing for Canada ever since and moved to Vancouver to start a club two or three years ago now. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so I finally become like a real Canadian. Um, (laughs) and it moving, moving to
2: Vancouver is the mark of a real Canadian.
0: I, yeah i guess so i guess more so. more so if and when you eventually wind up in toronto <laughs>
2: um, yeah, too.
0: but i okay the so. thing is i almost moved
1: there i was oh. i was like in talks with a club of, of moving there but they uh they kind of fell through like it was kind of weird because it was actually like at a competition i was like talking with people like oh i might move to toronto like i went to go do an interview and they were like oh they just told me they just hired a new coach and i was like oh well that's <laughs> rude but okay
2: yeah there you go so- So Eli, you talked, uh, you know, about competing internationally, you know, we know you've been to the Pan Am Games uh, representing Canada. Does it feel different to be a member of an Olympic team coming up? You know, does the Olympics, is the Olympics a different thing?
1: Yeah, I'd say it's a, it's a different beast, um, especially the COVID Olympics, just because like, I mean, fencing is, it's the type of sport where at least as a Canadian or even as an American, um, you can't. Like it's, it's, it's really tough to, I guess, consider yourself a pro athlete when there's, okay. there's it's, I mean, obviously like there's, there's not a lot of media coverage of it or anything you mm-hmm. can, like, I'm probably one of the relatively few like sponsored athletes that I know, but it's not really a, it's, it's the type of thing that most people are doing kind of out of passion. It's not like, Oh, you know what? I'm going to be on the cover of sports illustrated or whatever. So, um, so I know that like, yeah for these games. Yeah, not yet. But, uh, the, I know being in these games, it's, it's, it's weird because I've actually been actually living kind of that pro athlete life for the past, if not for the past year, for the past couple months, because they actually, the, the Canadian team wanted everybody to train together. So while I'm normally kind of out on my own and on the West coast, they brought everybody together in, uh, in Montreal. Um, and I've just been, yeah, training, training with the, with the squad.
0: Where in Montreal have you, are you staying? Are you living?
1: I'm on, uh, Rue St. Dennis. I want okay. yeah. um, so yeah. to say. Okay. Yeah. Pretty, pretty popping, pretty in poppin place. And now that, uh, it, it seems like everybody is basically considering that COVID's canceled. So, so yeah. things are getting kind of cool, but, um, basically up until I would say the past week or so, um, we've been like my roommate and I, who's also part of the team. We've, we've just basically been like staying indoors, like focusing on training and, and our, our other projects. Um, just as like an extra precaution because, I mean, honestly, it would kind of suck for like at this point. Yeah, to point, get like,
0: COVID now. Yeah, yeah.
1: 20 yeah. years of work to, to just be like, oh, well, you know what? I really want to, I don't know, grab a drink or something. Um,
0: of course. And what, if you don't mind us asking, what, you know, what have they told you about when you go to the Olympics? Like, are you expected to be vaccinated? Are you expected yeah, to be? So, yeah, so
1: I'm already double vaccinated. They they were able to get some, some like athlete priority Uh, despite them initially saying they wouldn't. So that's been honestly like super reassuring. Yeah. Especially like going on Reddit and still seeing that it is like very much still an issue with people, with people dying and just, it's still a pandemic. Yeah. Um, But, but they, they basically said that the experience is going to be a lot like really different. Like, the, the Olympics are typically thought of, uh, like when I was in university, I had uh, several teammates who are Olympic athletes on the U S team mm-hmm. and they were like, yeah, it's like basically just like a big party and it's super fun, et cetera, et cetera. But this year it's supposed to be like, you're kind of confined to your bubble with your, with your squad essentially. And you're not supposed to be really interacting with, I think other teams or other sports even. Right. So definitely going to be a different Olympics. Um, it's my first, so I can't really compare it to any, to any of mm-hmm. them, but, um, but it's a lot more, I think sport focused, which is, I guess, kind of cool in a way. Um, it, it, I guess it's, it, hopefully it's going to feel like a very like pure event in that sense. So I'm kind of excited about that. <laughs>
2: Do you know when the, uh, when's the fencing program, like relative to the start or end of the, it's, Olympics? it's pretty close to the end. So, okay. so
1: we're, we're actually going to Japan to train for a couple of weeks in, in, uh, in a different city in Numazu. Okay. Oh, cool. um, so we're going to do that. Like, but the, within the, I, I want to say around the 10th and mm-hmm. then we don't actually compete until about the 26th. Um, and then
0: the, the team event is a few days after the individual event. So, and are you going to get to watch any other events? Maybe so find from, other Jewish athletes to hang out with.
1: <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I mean, I I, I have to because my my goal is to is to hopefully compete for the the Maccabee Games next year. So, oh I'm, wow, ah, great. Got to got to make some connections. Um, but unfortunately, no. I'm pretty sure we're confined to just kind of like sticking to ourselves. But it's, there's still a whole lot of uncertainty about whether we're going to be able to to do that kind of stuff. Um, they've ensured us that there's going to be like. TVs set up everywhere so that people can uh, can interact with other sports in that sense and, and be able to follow everything. But again, for for just the nature of these games and, and, and given the pandemic, they're they're trying to keep it to like okay, you're in the day after you compete, you're leaving.
2: You know, fencing seems to be a, a pretty good pandemic sport. I mean, you have the mask on for one, and then you know you you, you get close to someone, but you're still you're still a few yeah, feet away from them it's, with, it's the, it's with the with the ultimate, fe- with the foil.
1: It was the it was the like the the meme like marketing thing for for fencing is that you already have masks you 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 already have masks and gloves and if something gets within uh two meters
0: you try and stab (laughs) them away you know a year ago you saw those visualizations of what it looked like when particles came out of people's mouths like aerosol particles of covid and that you have to see the simulation of two fencers with the same thing
1: yeah i mean now hopefully it'll be fine because like we're we're pretty much required to wear or most people that I know of have been training with a mask underneath their oh, mask. Oh wow. Cool. Um, that's really interesting. I remember at the start of COVID like uh my brother and I were just like fencing in the park and like we w- we were putting like tape over our masks. So uh yeah, it's it's that would know. that that's would kinda, sort of change making... the
0: dramatic reveal unless you had some message on your mask.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean I'm not one for for tearing it off just cuz like I I know my mask like I actually keep it pretty like snugly fit. But mm-hmm. I honestly I just like I never know how people just the different brands of masks, I guess that they just like tear it off. It looks super dramatic. Uh <laughs> and then turn like, to the camera guys... and yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I was so, wondering like
1: how are you guys doing this? Like
2: you tell us a little bit about um like what drew you to fencing uh, in the first place, like how you got into it when you were younger.
1: Oh, I mean I was I was like every young fencer that had just finished doing like karate and had like quit all- all the other sports been like, you know what, for some reason, team sports aren't really for me. Um, and I remember my mom was like having a conversation with my brother and I, while we were walking through this, uh, the shopping mall and she was like, okay, you guys are, you guys are getting fat and you need to do an extracurricular or else you're not going to go to college and then your life is going to be over. And we happened to be passing by a fencing club, like in, that was in the mall, um, as she was having this conversation. So, the club wasn't even like in operation at that time like it was it was their day off so we we just saw this this weird empty glass room with these wires hanging on the ceilings and these metal floor things and we were like i wonder what that is we saw like a brochure that was in the front for fencing and we were like wow i didn't even know that was a thing but like we like star wars we like sword fighting so yeah let's let's give it a shot um and stuck with it ever since um but back when we started it wasn't like the It wasn't like today, it wasn't like you're, you're given a sword like first day and you're like, okay, just like go for it. It was like, you had to prove to like this old Soviet man, like that you (laughs) you kind of managed for a bit and you were like, okay, you have to, you have to just learn how to move forward and backward for, it was like, it was like when you're doing a video game tutorial and they have you just like learn the movement before you can do anything else. You're like, no, I want to shoot somebody. And you're like, no, trust me. It's going to be more fun if you actually know what you're doing. And then, I'm, I'm thinking uh, yeah, of like,
0: the great sushi chefs that are only allowed to like touch an egg for the first oh, two yeah. years.
1: Yeah. 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 Like that. Like Jiro dreams of sushi. Type exactly. Stuff. That's right. cool. Yeah.
0: Eli dreams of fencing. Eli
1: does dream of fencing. That is very <laughs> well put. How Jewish is fencing? So fencing is, is surprisingly Jewish. I would say. Like I assume um, that
2: Soviet, the Soviet coach you had was Jewish probably.
1: Yeah. So, so actually a lot like American fencing, as I mentioned is like, the um, among the best in the world right now. Like back mm-hmm. in, I would say back in like the seventies or whatever, it'd be kind of like unheard of. But now, like literally, uh, they're literally the best in, in the world. At least in, in foil, and a lot of a lot of people are or like a lot of Americans are doing well in a bunch of different disciplines. And that is because there was kind of this exodus of uh, Soviet uh, Soviet Jews uh, that were like fencers that became coaches in the states. Like once the Soviet Empire fell a lot of these uh, these coaches from Kiev moved to uh, moved to LA and New York and created these kind of meccas for fencing on like the West and East Coast. And then, uh, so like I, I grew up in LA and then I moved to to New York to to actually study with one of these like gurus, you could say. And basically he created most of the, I want to say it was like the 2004 Olympic team. Wow. And then each of those athletes ended up opening their own clubs, which then led to, a lot of the generation that I currently compete with um, who who now in turn um, are making their own clubs. So you could, you could definitely say that uh, that Jewish fencing in in the U S is, is a big thing. Um, But also I think just historically, like if you, if you ever check out like on, on Wikipedia, they actually have, there's been quite a few um, like very successful, like Jewish athletes just like historically in fencing. Mm. Uh, They even had it in, there was this movie, can't remember what it was called like something like zonenschein like about like some it it was like a like a movie that like chronicled um this like family history of like these these uh european jews that created like a like a soda fact like a soda recipe or whatever and and it was and they were fencers and i'm pretty sure it was based Mm. on a true story of like yeah like obviously like nazis like ruined all of their shit and then
2: Oh, we got to check that out. Yeah. yeah, was, That's really cool, cool how like one one or two guys can like, you know, totally change the the course of like a sport in a country, you know, like have this yeah, coach yeah, and develop all this talent. Yeah, it's
1: wild. Like, yeah, like I remember bringing my, uh, my coach when, when I was younger, I remember we, we brought him to like him and uh, a coach that's still in Russia now that would like come for like a, a summer camp um, to train us. And we brought them to like their first, I believe it was like Yom Kippur service um and they were just like oh yeah like we're jewish yeah sure we'll we'll do that we've we were never raised with this kind of stuff but yeah like we'll Mm -hmm. give it a shot and it was like yeah just the more you know
0: (laughs) no that's i mean we've talked about helen meyer probably the most famous jewish fencer there has ever been um yet uh and you know her story in the 36 olympics but beyond that I didn't know very much about Jewish fencing so I'm very glad to get a lot of this context.
1: I, honestly I think it's the type of sport that lends itself very well to like the the Jewish mind just because there's uh like I'm pretty like well known at least with my teammates for like always kind of trying to like dissect the rule book. Like I'm one well, of the few people who's like you know what the rule book is actually very good. It's got a very balanced game going on. It's and pointy like, chess really. Yeah, yeah. It's often referred to as physical chess, but it's like yeah. it's kind of like physical chess combined with physical rock, paper, scissors, because like, okay. like if, you, if you're, if you're going into just like the, the theory behind it, it like the, the main theory of fencing. If you want like a like really quick overview is okay. Assuming two people are close enough to hit, you could either try and poke the person like directly. Uh, if the person knows you're going to try and poke them directly. Well, what are they going to do? They're going to try and block you. It's called a parry and then they're going to hit you. And then if you know the person is going to try and block you, you can, pretend you're going straight and then when they block you you go around it and then um so it's just rock paper scissors um Mm -hmm. and yeah and then you just throw in like really rapid movement um and the idea that you can add like a fake to any of those options and then it then you get fencing
0: and and as you know i guess as a follower of the fencing rule book you've got a lot of your own mishnah about that oh (laughs) yeah oh (laughs) yeah
1: yeah i've got about like two apps in the works that are like aiming to basically expand that <laughs> knowledge and just sh- share it with people. Cause I that's think that- amazing.
0: You're the <laughs> rabbi Akiva of fencing. Oh, that's, that's the goal. One
1: day, one day.
2: Uh, so Eli, before, great. before we let you go, there was something I, I wanted to uh, bring up. I saw on your Instagram recently, you, you, uh, you came down uh, on, on one side of a very divisive debate between Fairmont and St. viator bagels. And, and you, uh, you declared yourself team Fairmont. Oh, day. good.
0: Oh, thank God.
1: So
2: okay, it's the so, right pick. It's the correct pick. Yeah. By the way,
1: Fairmont from from the limited experience of of going to both of them once and just being like, all right, first first try is going to be the like kind of the deciding factor. There they were just tastier. They were they honestly they remind me a little bit more of like LA style bagels, whereas and kind of New York bagels like a bit softer. But Sanvitoor does have the advantage of actually preparing a sandwich for you. Mm. That well but, they have the
2: cafe. That's
0: true. So, yeah, they,
1: have the, they have the cafe. So like, but I don't know, there's something there's something like cute about like, I don't know, and kind of just like seems like kind of right about like, no, you know what, like, screw it, go make your own bagels. Like we already did the hard part. Like,
0: in my mind, there's one there's one thing that's great about the, the New York bagel over everywhere. Every other bagel is that if you wanted to get just
2: salt, you can get just salt.
0: This is yeah, true. The salt
2: the salt bagel is hard to find in other places. Fair, Fairmont was always the go-to for like me. Gabe and I were both in McGill for university and like walking home drunk from a certain part of town. Like you could make Fairmont beep on your route home and just like picking up a half dozen bagels to eat on your way home. Was it, was it, yeah, was like a great university like move?
0: Very life-saving move. <laughs> yeah, it was fantastic. And, or, and they would sell you like a thing of cream cheese and you could yeah, just whip yeah, yeah. and dip your way out of it.
1: Yeah, which, yeah, 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 yeah. My, my roommate and I did that on our first, go because we were like oh we we can't actually just get like the like locks and the schmear and stuff all right i guess we're i guess we're dunking it
2: anyways uh eli <laughs> uh, we really wish you that all, all the best of luck uh i'm sure all our listeners will be following along with your journey at the olympics and uh you know we'll check in we'll, we'll keep tabs on you and uh you know let everyone know how you're doing and how the team canada uh foil fencing team is doing
1: okay well thank you guys so much for having me on the podcast
2: Well, thanks again to Eli for joining us. Um, we'll be back in a few weeks with more Olympic insight, hopefully, uh, leading up to the Olympics starting in a month.
0: You know, yeah, we're, we're getting real close to the Olympics. So please watch the space in your ear holes for more discussion of Jewish Olympians, interviews with other Olympians that are going to be at the Games, and following some of our favorite athletes, uh, both on the individual and team sport levels. As always, it's a pleasure to, uh, to speak to you guys about that, and we want to continue to do so.
2: Uh, please uh, rate and review like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're getting it um, if you're listening to it you can continue to listen to us wherever you are or wherever you get your podcasts um, you can find our articles and links to our pages at, at the Canadian Jewish News website thecjn.ca uh, you can find us at the CJN Lounge on Facebook and as always on Twitter at The Menchformers <music> boop <laughs> boop